The Sober Highway Podcast is now brought to you by our newest sponsor, Brainwashed Coffee Company. We all know how important coffee is to the recovery community, but what's even more important is that Brainwashed Coffee Company donates 50% of its proceeds to people in addiction recovery. Visit brainwashedcoffeeco.com and use the promo code SOBERHIGHWAY at checkout for 20% off your coffee order. What better way to support people in addiction recovery than with a great bag or bundle of brainwashed coffee? Brainwashed Coffee Company. Simple coffee for complicated people. All right, welcome back. This is episode five of the Sober Highway podcast. Today, uh, we are going to be talking about self-help groups. We're going to talk about a bunch of different uh, peer support groups uh, and evidence-based practices that are practiced in uh, group environments that are really instrumental uh, for helping people in recovery. Um, We have some that are faith-based, again, some that are evidence-based, and hopefully you enjoy the discussion that we have planned out for you guys today. All right, let's go. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. My name is Dan. And my name is Anika. And welcome to the Sober Highway Podcast. We are two young social workers who have dedicated our lives and careers to affecting change in the addiction recovery community. We want to use this podcast as a platform to take the things we have learned over the course of our careers and share it with our listeners. At the end of the day, we hope to inspire as many people as we can to make a change and live a lifestyle free of drugs and alcohol. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. have you take the lead on this one? So I think part of the reason why we thought that this was kind of timely right now is mm-hmm. because in episode two, we were talking about formal treatment, right? And so like we were talking about inpatient, outpatient, all that that good stuff. And so when we think about treatment in recovery, there's also the informal treatment of self-help, right? Mm-hmm. And so self-help right. is really where a lot of people make connections, feel like there are other people that really understand them. And um, that, that's basically because most of the self-help programs are run by other people that are in recovery, that have struggled with some sort of addiction. Um, and so it's not always necessarily by like a licensed 
mental health professional or substance abuse counselor or anything like that. And so these are people who have direct experiences that are similar mm-hmm. to yours. And so that's why I think self-help really can be great for a lot of people. I think it's great because we said before that no one can help an addict better or no one in recovery can be helped better by what was I going to say? The the best we've said before the best person to help someone in recovery is another person in recovery. So that's why we think that self-help groups are extremely beneficial when used in uh when it's complemented by like a therapist or even a psychiatrist and medication yeah and so this is something that you know i want to be able for our listeners to kind of know what options are out there right so we're kind of just going to quickly go through a bunch and then i think after we're going to talk a little more in depth about 12 steps and smart recovery Mm -hmm. because those are the two largest ones i think that we see around here and again that's not to say that these other programs are not effective um they're great programs as well. It's just the the two that we see most commonly and most frequently. Right. They have the most meetings available. Yes. And remember right now, because we're still um, in a pandemic, most of these meetings are available in online as well mm-hmm. as some in person, of course, with um, proper precautions, right? Mm-hmm. Which I think can open up the recovery community a lot, right? Mm-hmm. So some of the ones that we're going to tell you about, you know, you might want to search and maybe you'll find a meeting online and be like, hey, I never heard of that, but that sounds interesting. That sounds like mm-hmm. it's in alignment with my personal philosophies, right? And we'll we'll um, we'll put some uh, links to some good resources in the uh, episode description. So uh, if you guys want to explore some of these things that we're talking about, you'll be able to do that. So we'll start with 12 steps, right? We'll kind of circle back at the end to go a little more in detail, right? But 12 Mm -hmm. steps are our typical um, Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotic Anonymous, um, AANA. There's also different – there's other different uh, 12-step groups like uh, Cocaine Anonymous, Marijuana Anonymous, Gamblers Anonymous, Overeaters Anonymous, Codependence Anonymous. So in essence, the 12 steps can work for any type of potentially addictive behavior. Yeah. And again, it's it emphasizes the importance of God or a higher power. Right. And it utilizes a 12-step program to build mm-hmm. a foundation of recovery. So there's actually a, a, an interesting video, or we're going to tr- uh, convert it into audio, that uh, we're going to include at the end of this podcast because it really details the, the 12 steps in uh, – even more of an informal way that I think would be beneficial for some of our listeners. Yeah. Um, and then we go into our, our smart recovery, right? Which is self-management and recovery training. Mm-hmm. And this is really an evidence-based approach, right? It's a four-step process that is based on cognitive therapy. Um, and the four steps help to build um, and maintain motivation, cope mm-hmm. with urges, manage thoughts, feelings, and behaviors, and live a balanced life. Mm-hmm. And so, again, that is very different in its approach in terms of of how they think of things than the 12-step. Well, when you think about cognitive behavioral therapy, which is very, very strongly rooted in evidence-based practice, it it seeks to understand the relationship between three things, your thought process, so your thoughts, your feelings, like your emotions and your behavior and the like how your thoughts influence your emotions and how your emotions influence your behavior and and 
you know, it, it's almost like the like like a triangle of all th- of those three things, like the arrows that connect them and stuff like that. So it's helping you to understand those relationships and how you can make changes. Yeah, and then we go into some of the more um, specifically self-help groups that are associated with different religious beliefs, right? Mm-hmm. So we have Celebrate Recovery that's very Christian-based and uses the Bible. We have mm-hmm. um, Jewish alcoholics, chemically dependent persons, and significant others. Otherwise known as Jacks. Yes. And then um, we have our Buddhist-based, which is um, Refuge Recovery as well as Recovery Dharma. Um, and, and so those are our kind of faith-based um, self-help groups. Um, then we kind of move into some of the more holistic approaches. So recovery 2.0, which is a fully online community. Um, it's based in the 12 steps, but utilizes a more holistic approach and includes yoga, meditation, nutrition, um, Y12 SR yoga and the 12 steps of recovery, um, founded by Nikki Myers. Um, and they are again, using the 12 steps in addition to yoga practices for everybody. Um, and so that integration is definitely something that's really cool to check out. Um, I found yoga to be very powerful. I mean, I personally don't do yoga, but um, in the programs that I've worked at, we've offered yoga as like a, as like an auxiliary service, I guess you could call it. Yeah. And it's been be- very, very beneficial for, uh, for our clients. Yeah. And I think that that can kind of integrate that the mind body spirit connection. Absolutely. So I'm, I'm a big fan of yoga, which um, we'll probably get into at, at some point in the future too. Maybe, maybe Anika will lead us in a uh, guided meditation yoga type thing. I don't know. Yeah, I probably will. <laughs> um, then there's some self-help groups that are geared specifically towards women. Um, so there is She Recovers. Um, again, this is more holistic as well, and it focuses on decreasing the stigma of addiction. Okay. Um, and it really encourages individual pathways. Um, and there's Women First Sobriety, which is based on a 13-step acceptance statements um, that encourages emotional and spiritual growth. And then finally, we have our secular organizations, First Sobriety SOS. Um, which is really self-empowered um, approach to recovery for anyone. Um, I think it's really important to understand that, you know, when you think of self-help groups, you don't think of just the the faith-based programs because a lot of people, like when you read the 12 steps, it talks about believing in a higher power. Um, that higher power can literally be, could be anything. Like it could be, could be God, it could be Jesus, it could be Allah, it could be, um, um, you know, if you want it to be, if you want it to be the doorknob, let it be the doorknob or the table or the lamp, whatever it is, right? If, if you don't, if you don't subscribe to any type of, uh, religion or you don't consider yourself to be very spiritual and you feel like you want something that's a little bit more rooted in in science and things that have been studied over time and are evidence-based, then maybe smart recovery may be something for you. Um, or you can look into um, SOS, or you can look into women for sobriety. Um, so it's important that people just know all the different things that are out there. Um, so I think what we can do um, before we get into that audio clip 
I think what we could do is maybe go over the 12 steps. Yeah. Just read, just read them for our, uh, for our listeners, for people. This is for people that, you know, if you're in recovery, maybe you've picked up a big book before, you'll know what these are. Um, but for those of you that don't know what recovery life is like, or have never heard of the 12 steps before, um, of Alcoholics Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous, we'll just read them out for you. Okay. So the first one, is uh, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. So essentially, this is admitting to yourself that you were powerless over alcohol or your drug of choice. Mm -hmm. Uh, Number two, uh, we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Okay. Uh, Step three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. So we've made a choice to um, turn our lives over to our higher power. So whoever your higher power is. Number four is making, uh, I'm sorry, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Number five, admitted to God or our higher power to ourselves and to other human beings the exact nature of our wrongs. Number six, we're entirely ready to have God as we understood him, remove all of these defects of character. Number seven, humbly ask him or her to remove our shortcomings. Number eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Number nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Essentially what that means is when you make amends to someone and you can you share with them something that you did to them if sharing that thing would make their life much worse than not saying anything then you kind of want to hold that back yeah you're only making amends right if it's in the the interest and benefit of both of you of both of you or even if it's not necessarily in in the interest of you, but maybe it would be very helpful for the other person, but wouldn't cause any damage to you, right? That would be okay, too. But, like, if it's going to damage the other person, there are other ways to make amends. And so, again, when you work through a program, your sponsor will help you through that. Yes. Uh, next, number 10, continue to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Number 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him or her, praying only for knowledge of his or her will for us and the power to carry that out. And finally, number 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. So those are basically the 12 steps. Uh, When you go to, say, a Narcotics Anonymous meeting or a Gamblers Anonymous meeting, um, or a codependence anonymous meeting, uh, these steps will be uh, altered in a sense. Essentially, like if this is an alcohol, since this was at the Alcoholics Anonymous twelve steps, if it was, you know, say Gamblers Anonymous twelve steps, you, they would essentially replace alcoholics with gambling, alcohol or with gambling, whatever. Um, yeah. So each program, obviously, their steps are mm-hmm. slightly different. They have their own book too, as well, and their own literature, mm-hmm. right? If any of these, if any of these steps um, sound confusing, or you'd like a little bit more clarification on what these twelve steps mean, 
I would certainly pick up a big book. Um, you can go on online and just search Alcoholics Anonymous Big Book and you'll be able to find one. Or an even better option would be uh, to go and find a meeting and just ask, what do the 12 steps mean? That's literally just an opening for anyone to come and help you. Yeah. And so especially with 12 steps, since it is so common, right, you're going to look for an open meeting. And and that would be really great, especially if you're unsure if you have a problem with drugs or alcohol or whatever else it may be. Mm -hmm. Um, An open meeting is the place where anyone can go, even if you don't necessarily think that you have a problem. Right. Um, And and you're in the beginning phase. So it's a great place to start. Um, Mm -hmm. If you are kind of like, okay, yes, I know I have a problem. I need help. A beginner's meeting is also another place where you can start. So that absolutely that's kind of where within the 12 steps. Right. Um, We would start and say, hey, try those meetings as maybe your first or second. Mm -hmm. um, and, And see how those go. And then, of course, there's plenty of other meetings. There is topic meetings, speaker meetings, big book meetings, um, tradition meetings, step meetings, all Mm -hmm. of that stuff. So again, those are going to be really helpful too, but for your first meeting or second meeting, it might be kind of good to go to an open or beginner's meeting. Yes, that is, that is 100% correct. Um, the act, actually, when I told that story, I think it was like in the first or second episode, when I talked about me going to a meeting to observe, Mm -hmm. that was, that was an open meeting. Yeah. And a new beginners meeting. I think most open meetings are new beginners meetings. Right? I I think so, but again, sometimes I think they can. They might make like a speaker topic meeting an open yeah. meeting. Um, it, it depends. Okay. Um, you know, another thing to to recognize too that each group is different, and so like you know, one group may say no cursing, and another group may be like, yeah, that's totally fine, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so know that there's going to be a lot of variations within that. I know in my in. Like when I do therapy with my clients, when it comes to cursing, I don't know how you feel about it, but I, I don't mind when my clients curse or when my patients curse, because if they're expressing raw emotion and that's how you express your emotions by cursing, that's fine. As long as you're not cursing at me, like, like, fuck you. And this is fucking bullshit. I fucking hate you. And all that. Yeah, that's inappropriate. That's, that's a little bit, that's, that's inappropriate. That's kind of aggressive behavior. And then. I would probably cut that session right then and there. But like if you're if you're sharing about, you know, something that happened in your life and you're like that's just how you get your emotions out, I really don't care. Yeah. I mean, again, I think it's really dependent on who you're working with and things right. like that. But I think for the most part people are pretty understanding. Mm-hmm. Um it's just something to be aware of again, going into a self help group sometimes and they they kind of tell you the rules in the beginning too. Mm-hmm. Um and so, again, meetings are really structured typically, right? So they're about an hour. Sometimes they're a little longer, but typically they're about an hour. They kind of go through some of their material in terms of, like, um, who should be at this meeting? Is it open, closed? Um, and then each group kind of will put in different readings that they have. They make any announcements, things like that. And then mm-hmm. they get into their meeting. And um, then they're sharing. Yeah, I don't want to go. I don't want to go too much in depth about what the meetings are like because I think I wanna. I want. I want there to be a little bit of curiosity for our listeners to maybe go and explore for themselves. Yeah, and and again, all their each meeting is going to be different too. So exactly. There's no like right format, right? But just so to expect, it's typically about an hour. Right. Um, That's true. You know that that type of thing. So I think that, like I said before, they're online and in person right now. Um, because of the pandemic. So there's definitely lots of opportunities to check out a meeting. Absolutely. 
I think the other thing to to recognize is smart recovery also encourages people to go to other self-help programs. Yeah. They don't kind of say like, hey, like if you're working in smart recovery, don't go to a different type of self-help because they're like, no, go do do your thing. Right. Um, please try as many things as possible. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that that really kind of encourages the, the inclusive atmosphere for mm-hmm. people. Um, and, and again, I do like that they have a workbook too. I think that that could be very helpful for people. The workbook's not that expensive. I think it's like $15. Um, and... and I encourage people to, like, you know, do it in pencil, make copies of it, keep doing it. Share it with your friends if you want. Yeah. Um, you know, keep keep working through it over and over again. So um, I, I think smart recovery is the other option out there that is different. Um, sometimes I do ha- – I have seen that sometimes they are um, run by a mental health professional. Mm-hmm. So um, – Again, because it has that cognitive behavioral therapy approach, um, who runs it sometimes could be a mental health professional, um, but not always. There is a training in order to be certified to run smart recovery meetings. So, like, there's a whole training you have to go through. So, it's not just anyone that can run meetings. Okay, so before we get into the audio clip about the 12 steps that I was talking to you guys about before, um, I want to just share with you a an amazing resource that I've found uh, that I've shared with my outpatient uh, clients as well as my patients that have come in to see me through the emergency room. Um, it is the 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week online open Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. So if you decide that you want to get clean and sober and you're looking for a meeting, but it's very late at night and you can't find an in-person meeting or there are no other online meetings available for you right now or at that time, you can go to aahomegroup.org and there is a link to the meeting. So as long as you have a computer um, or a smartphone, uh, you'll be able to access the meeting Um, On the website, you'll even find the list of call-in numbers. Um, No matter where you are in the world, you'll be able to call into this meeting. So again, the address is aahomegroup.org. And now, Russell Brand's interpretation of the 12 steps. First thing, are you a bit fucked? The first thing is admitting that there's some sort of problem. It could be I'm always getting into shit relationships. I'm always getting into jobs and not liking it. I get into continual conflict with other males. I don't have good relationships with my family members. Are you a bit fucked? You know, so as soon as you acknowledge a problem, I think the, the possibility for change begins. But not without saying, could you not be fucked? That's the second step. Is it possible to not be fucked? Three, are you on your own going to unfuck yourself? Right? That means accepting help. For me, I knew I was a smackhead. It's obvious I was a smackhead. But I came to believe from meeting people that was much worse smackheads than me who had got clean that it was possible to not be a smackhead. But I knew that I wouldn't be able to do it on my own. If we had the answer to our problems inside our own fucking head, we'd have found it by now. If any version of psychoanalyses or whatever it is you're traipsing through to unravel the mysteries of your past, if it was going to be done in solitude, I think we would have happened upon it. This is where this program becomes interesting because it happens collectively as a group. I know that all of you have got stories. I know that any one of you could tell me something about yourself that would make me cry because it's so painful and so beautiful. I know you still carry aspirations. I know that you carry with you the heartache, the heartbreak. I know the 3AMU. 
the free, third step, are you on your own going to unfuck yourself? It has sort of mystical and spiritual connotations, i.e. I happen to believe in God. I believe in God. A form of God, not some daft fucking thing written down in an old book. No, no, no. Limitless consciousness, mysteries, entanglement. Ah, the roaring world of coincidence. Step four is where it gets a bit fucking admin heavy. Step four is this. Write down all the things that are fucking you up or have ever fucked you up. Don't lie or leave anything out. That's a hard, hard process. See you. You've probably got things where someone was rude to you at school, broke your heart, made you feel insignificant, inadequate about your body or about your life or about something in you. I fucking did. Loads of things happened to me, but I've catalogued all of it. Fucking hell, it took ages. It was a right ball ache. Wrote it all down. Things that were deep in me that made me feel ashamed and separate from the world forever. Like, oh, I can never be accepted. I'll never be good enough. I'd done that thing. That person said that thing to me. But step five is honestly tell someone trustworthy about how fucked you are. What was curious about that is that on my step four, which is an inventory of all my grievances or in the parlance of this program resentments, there were things that were so minor. I was embarrassed I could remember them. Minor little things. That person looked, well, Glenn Dainty, sports day, pushed me aside and won. I was five. Could still remember it. And then things that I think, fuck, that was dark. I'd done that shit. Dark things. Self-harming things. Harm, harm. And when I told the other geezer that I told this to, because as I say, this program is best practiced in communion, he just went, yeah, I've done something like that. That's not that bad. My point is this that none of us need carry the shame anymore. None of us need live in a pain-based identity anymore. I'll put it to you that we live with a biochemistry that stimulates fear and desire in order that we may survive. Need fear? Get on your fucking toes. Watch yourself out on them planes. You need desire to get out there and hunt and procreate. But when you live in a culture that continually stimulates fear and desire in order to make you a better consumer, these biochemical mm, advantages and imperatives become problematic. That's what I'm saying we're living in now. Having done this inventory, you'll be ready for step six. It reveals a lot of fucked up patterns. Like When I looked at my own life, I saw that the way I used to get expelled out of schools was the same way I would get thrown out of jobs years later. The same way that my relationship was difficult with people when I was a schoolboy became difficult romantic partnerships when I was an adult. We've got patterns. And here I will make one of the most important points to you that I can make. You don't choose between working a program and not working a program. You choose between a conscious program and an unconscious program. You are already working a program without question. You are working in the conditioning of your culture, your class, your family, and your school. You are the person that you were told to be, for good or for ill. What this is, is an opportunity to identify your patterns and your behaviours so that you can form a better aspect of yourself. I feel that we live in a culture that exacerbates and provokes the lower aspects of our nature, the fear, the desire, the lust, in order that we will be good consumers, and ignores the fact that we are altruistic, kind, loving, and sweet. Then things get a little bit lost sometimes. Step seven, are you willing to live in a new way that's not all about you and your previous fucked up stuff? You have to. That is another point in this program where there's a kind of spiritual intersection. Me, I'm a person that does pray and meditate, but for me all that means is that I don't just live my life on a material level. I don't just think, oh, I'm Russell, I'm going to go to that thing later and talk to a squire and then I'll be in a car and that's that. No, I see myself as having a life that's beyond the limited scope of sensual and... Uh, 
what do I want to say? Gross understanding. I believe there are subtler energies at work in a human being. You know the coincidences and synchronicities from your own life. You know the mysteries of your own myth. You know the moments where had you turned another corner to quote dear George Michael, another addict that we lost, that maybe your life would have been different. You'd have made different decisions. You may never have met him or her. You may never have taken that job or that opportunity. That sense that perhaps we are being guided. That sense that perhaps the same way as our fingerprints are unique, there is some other code, some less easily ascertainable code that is trying to realize itself the same way that an acorn will grow into an oak tree. The same way that there is some knowledge within each seed, within each cell, that it must realize itself. If your consciousness is in attunement with this energy, then I think there are rich, rich possibilities is for us as human beings. Eight and nine, step eight, prepare to apologize to everyone for everything affected by your being so fucked up. If you've been a drug addict for any serious amount of time, you've caused some real damage to people. Or if you've been a person that's just put yourself first a lot, you will have caused real damage to people. I did. And part of my journey has been going and making amends, not just because restitution and apology are good, fine, spiritual things to do, but also to remind me that I don't do that sort of thing anymore. Now when I feel the sort of the casual urge to be dismissive of people, something in me reminds me, don't treat other human beings as a commodity. People don't only exist to serve you. Every single one of us in this room has our own little story, has our own little pain, has our own little journey, and none of us needs to be subjugated into one another's lives. But some of us have a tendency to insert ourselves into other people's drama. Some of you are like, oh, why do I always go out of arseholes? And those of us that are arseholes are very grateful for your arsehole attraction. But you may be right. It may be better if you looked at your code, looked at your programming, looked at the kind of relationships you're drawn into. Step nine is, having made a list of all the people you've damaged, you become willing to make amends to them unless you make an amends would fuck their shit up bad for them. E.g., you don't go, mate, I'm ever so sorry. I've been having an affair with your wife. That was wrong. If that person doesn't know that, you've just made their life far, far worse. It's a program of spiritual... hmm, growth and development. The final three steps, 10, watch out for your fucked up behavior and thinking and be honest when it happens. 11, stay connected to your new perspective. That is an interesting thing, that, and that's where prayer and meditation become quite important. Like, there will be times in a day when you let go. You know when someone, when you see a cyclist and a cab driver about to have a row in the street, they've let go. They've let go of the connection, haven't they? All that matters in that moment is, I'm going to fucking kill you. But if you were able to talk to them and go, mate, you've got your fucking family, your kids, are you willing to give your life up? There have been moments in my life where I've done it too, where I've gone, I'll fucking put every, all the chips of my life, I'll put on that, so I'll gamble a lot on you, mate, you fucking, I'll fucking kill you. And like, for what? For what? For some moment. <laughs> it like, doesn't mean anything. So the step 11 becomes, for, with step 10, you're constantly observing your patterns. You're watching your mind work. Oh, look, I'm doing that shit again. Step 11 is you remain connected. So that there aren't, you'll notice it. If someone provokes you, check me. I am easy provoked. If, if I feel men are not being respectful to me, I'm provoked because I'm not a conventional male. I grew up in a very conventional male environment. If I feel intimidated or threatened by men, I feel I have to overcompensate for that. But I know that about myself now, so I'm not entirely governed by it. The 12th step is where you dedicate your life to helping other people, where we unpick the great problem of our age, self-centeredness, narcissism, obsession with self, my hair, my products, this lovely little fucking Alexander McQueen, little skeleton thing. I start to look beyond self-centeredness, knowing that it will always be there, 
but not having it as my coordinate, as my guiding star. My guiding star becomes, are you being kind to anyone? Pause for a moment to think, have you done anything for anyone other than yourself all day today? And if the answer is no, that's a weird thing for a social animal that's meant to live in little tribes, roaming through forests and plains. If all you've done is, I want this, I want that, I want that. Now, I'm not talking about you, I'm talking about me. Me. If I don't watch myself, very self-centered little individual. So that's a sort of a bit of a 25-minute pricey of how this program works. Anyone can do it. It's fucking easy. You shouldn't do it on your own. But if you're not doing it, you're being subjected to the patterns of your childhood. So that's all we have for this episode. If you enjoyed the content, Anika and I would really appreciate it if you'd subscribe to the podcast and leave us a five-star review on all of the major podcasting platforms. I'm talking Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Amazon Music. Also, please make sure to follow us on all of our social media platforms. On Facebook, we are facebook.com slash thesoberhighway. On Instagram, we are instagram.com slash thesoberhighway underscore. Make sure not to forget the underscore. And on TikTok, we are at thesoberhighway. If you want, DM us with any questions that you'd like us to answer on the podcast, or if you feel that you have any information that you think would be beneficial for our listeners to have. Or you could just interact with our posts. We're always looking to hear from our listeners. Catch you next week. Bye.